Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. This week you have me and Leo. Say hello, Leo. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. And we have a guest. Our guest this week is none other than the Area 8 Director for the USPSA. So let's bring in Ted Murphy. Hey, Ted, how are you? Good evening. How are you? Well, thank you. Why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself? I'm Ted Murphy. I'm the Area 8 Director for USPSA. Uh, Area 8 is Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia, and a little speck of West Virginia. Um, I'm on the, as a board member, I represent the members and the clubs in Area 8 uh, for the organization, both uh, for anything to do with the sport or anything to do with the business. Uh, most of what I do is pretty behind the scenes. Uh, I do try to come out in contact with clubs and meet with them and see what we can do to help them. But most, again, what we do is the majority of the work is done by the match directors, section coordinators, and the area directors are kind of in the back uh, getting, you know, kind of keeping the machine running. But that's what we do uh, as area directors for the most part. Okay. So not much. That's a joke. <laughs> I answer a lot of emails. Oh, I bet you do. <laughs> All right. Now, Ted, I don't know if you've listened to the podcast before, um, but what we normally do is start off with some icebreaker questions. We get to know our okay. guest. So the first question is, what's your favorite movie? My favorite movie? Um, see, I should have prepared for this. <laughs> I don't know. I like sci-fi movies. I probably, one of my favorite is, uh, I like the old Dune movie. I'm starting to really like the new one. I was a big fan of the books. Um, okay. So probably that one. Now the original had sting. Yes. It Am did. I thinking the right movie? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's, th there's been three versions. One was a mini series, but yeah. Okay. All right. How about your favorite book? My favorite book, I think, is Atlas Shrugged. Uh, I think it, it makes me laugh a lot every time I read the news. Uh, <laughs> I've given it to a few people. I actually gave it to some one person who used that book as a, a springboard to actually do what the book said and disappeared. So, go Iron Really? Rand. Yep. Faked his death Very and disappeared. Very interesting. Yep. He had to go he out and buy the book again, though, because he never got it back from that guy. <laughs> no, right. I didn't get it back. Actually, he left. He left after I got the book back. So, wow, well, very interesting. All right. So our our other guest host, who isn't here tonight, um, his favorite question to ask everybody is, "Who is your favorite superhero?" Batman. Um, Batman is. What I always liked about Batman is he may not be the strongest and have all the superpowers, but he's smart and he always prepares. He's got a backup plan, and he's got another plan for that if that doesn't fail. Uh, he's already six moves ahead of everybody else. I've always enjoyed that about his character, especially okay. in the comic books. Movies are very. So you, you prefer the cerebral aspect? Yeah. Yeah, Batman... Uh, He's not like I said. That's how he beat Superman in the, in the one movie. He just planned ahead, figured out what his strengths and weaknesses are. You know, I, that's why I, I admire about the character. I bet you love George Clooney's interpretation of Batman. Not at all. Yeah, good, good call. All right, just check it. Just wanted to make sure. All right, your favorite gun and caliber, and they they don't have to be linked. My favorite gun is a Glock 17 9 millimeter. That's my favorite caliber. Uh, I started, you know, I started getting the, when I was new, I started getting the big guns like the magazine said. And the more I shoot the 9 millimeter, the more I like it. It's cheaper. I hit better with it. And I like the Glock 17. I, I have one with over 150,000 rounds through it. I mean, it's, it's, they run, they run, they run. They're not beautiful. They're not, you know, uh, but they just, they work. Yeah, they're definitely not aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. I don't look at that and think to myself, man, that's a whew, modern art masterpiece. Yeah. It would never be a, a, a what's a beauty pageant winner. Ma mail order bride. 
<laughs> no, my wife would would uh, she she's her nineteen eleven person. So, but I do like the clocks. Oh, interesting. Respect. Okay. All right. So our our typically our last icebreaker question is something that we that I like to tailor to the individual. So for you, you replaced Kevin McPhee as the Area 8 director. Now, yeah, what Kevin, made you... Go ahead. Um, yeah, Kevin decided he wanted to try a real challenge and get married. So uh, he asked for some people to step down for him or step up for him, and I was one of the people who uh, did. And that okay. ended up being the only one. Okay, well, that was going to say. What made you decide to do that? Well... Now we know. Actually, Kevin put you up to it. No, um, I had been thinking about it before that. Um, I was mentored, um, kind of raised by the very first area director, Walt Roush. And prior to him dying, uh, him and I had talked about it at length. And he, he and I talked about uh, being area director. And, you know, we kind of talking about it. I decided it was something I was going to try. I wasn't going to run against Kevin, but I was going to wait until he stepped down. So that wasn't uh, that was a long time coming. I Kevin's term was three years. I think I decided about two years before he hit the end of his term that I wanted to do it. Okay. Do you um, are you still happy with your decision? Uh, it's a lot different job than I thought. Um, for the most part, I am. I think I'm doing I'm doing what I, I wanted to do with what I'm doing. Uh, sometimes it's frustrating because some people have a really bizarre idea of what an area director is. And, uh, I had a guy, uh, I, I had a series of emails between someone mad at a sponsor that I had nothing to do with. And it turned out the, 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 every, the sponsor did everything right. The shooter misunderstood, but they thought I could get in there like a cop or something and broker the deal. And that's not what an area director does. And that kind of stuff, uh, drives me, um, a little, I'm not real pleased with it, but, uh, most of it's good. A lot of it's helping shooters. Um, Today I shot a steel challenge match. There was a there was a bunch of people from longtime members to new people. It was fun dealing with them all. That part I like. I like the clubs. I okay. like the shooters. So you like the social aspects of it? I get that. I think we all. Yeah, do. I mean, I, I'm not a big social butterfly. I'm, I'm generally pretty shy. I mean, I, I oddly enough, nobody at that club knew I was the area director today. They were like, "Are you new here?" Even though I shoot at the club a lot, because uh, you know, I don't, I don't walk around like I'm the area director, you know. But I mean, so I thought that was kind of funny. But um, you know, for the most part, yeah, I like to, I, I just like to see people. My ba my biggest thing is I love to see new shooters when as they grow, see them win matches, and you see them, you know, I read about them in Front Sight magazine. There's their picture, and I remember he shot his first match in my club. That's the stuff I really like. Well, it's now, yeah, it's okay. not Front Sight Magazine anymore. It's USPSA Magazine, but same thing. So if we send you like a sash for Christmas that says Area 8 Director, <laughs> you probably wouldn't wear it. <laughs> I mean, just like no. one time, like just once. <laughs> well, I wore just a for the, CCW just for the sash. Thing. Sure. I mean, I wore a CCW sash for a Halloween match once. So, eh, whatever. But, uh, God. <laughs> That's funny. Now, Leo, we have to keep within theme to our jersey, so it has to be either bright yellow or lime green. Oh yeah, no, you got it. Like it's like the Great Wall of China; you can see it from outer space. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to be bright. Here so, I am. All right, I got an extra paycheck this week, so we can make this happen. Oh boy. <laughs> so, well, that brings up a question, Ted. Um, Steel Challenge. So I, I assume that you're the area director then for Steel Challenge as well. Correct. Um, the organization of Steel Challenge is a little different. Like they're not structured in sec uh, sections like the USPSA clubs are. But uh, ultimately, as Area 8 director, I vote on any rules for Area 8. And I if there's a, a, like a level 2 or level 3 match where they're going to have a range master, if the club chooses to have a non-certified range master, the area director has to going out to chat clubs and, and just listen to what they want out of the organization. I, I you know, I, I don't, you know, we don't get too involved in them. Again, this is a, a club level sport. So it's the clubs that really put in the work and, and, you know, we're here to help them. We're not, you know, 
we're not like I've been to clubs where they thought I was there like like to inspect and, and that's not what we do I was there to shoot and meet people I wasn't there to you know hey this stage is illegal or something um, but we're there to you know to be accessible and, and to help okay. and it's tough because I have 48 49 actually I had 48 USA clubs I just went up to 50 last week and there's about 40 steel challenge clubs so I mean it's a lot of clubs and a lot of people to, to try to talk to so how many shooters is that in Area 8? I could look it up for you. Last I checked, I think it was 2,400. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, we don't, I was just roundabout. Yeah, I was yeah. just curious. That's all. Yeah. So, yeah, and I guess uh, Kevin has started the Area 8 Steel Challenge championship. Yeah, and Cavalier. And Cavalier. Yeah. That was a that was okay. a blast last year. I I went to it uh, their inaugural match and it's set up again this this year um, in May third week or second week in May. I'll be there. Okay. I'm gonna try to work it this year. Got a little more time off this year, so yeah, stand by. I'll be there. <laughs> now, okay, you know this. You know you did that, and it made me think of something else. There's something I like about Steel Challenge. Um, I'm gonna throw it in now. They have a lot of times they use the um, like the billboard timers where you can yes. see the, the digital readout. Has anybody ever considered doing something like that at area eight championship or not area eight, but area championships and nationals where everybody can see the time? And, uh, and I, I, know, I know clubs. Oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say the only reason I bring that up is remember there there is no controversy but there was the question of whether nils won area eight or mason won area eight because there might have been a time error the the problem with the um banner boards for for an action sport that i found when i tried using them because i bought them back when i ran uh, idpa uh i bought them for that match uh and what i found is sometimes if the range officer is too far away from the board it won't pick up the time or it'll pick up the times mm. as you're going until you get because they're only bluetooth and i forget what the range you know so if you have a, a largest field course and you're 50 yeah. 60 feet away and then what happens you run it yell out five zero four one and they're looking at the board that says three eight two one now you have an even bigger controversy yeah now you have a real controversy now the, the thing a lot of people I got a, a couple people gave me some uh, advice for um, using the commander type timers that are Bluetooth mm -hmm. that sync with the tablet. And uh, through the um, sponsorship of Go Fast, Don't Suck, we actually had those timers this year at Area 8. And now that um, uh, Competitive Edge Dynamics uh, with their Pocket Pro, they're actually going to make one that does that too. I think you're going to see, uh, as people rotate their timers out, you're going to see a lot more of them in use. I actually um, So just to sum it up, basically as the older timers get retired and the newer versions come in, everybody's probably going to go to a Bluetooth version. Yeah, it's. I think the cost difference between the Bluetooth and the non is only a few dollars, You know, especially with, oh. the, again, the Pocket Pros. It's not that much. So okay. it's, it's just the fact that, like, especially like my pocket pros are 11 years old. And worst part is I just had three rebuilt. It cost me 40 bucks to have them rebuilt. The shipping was actually more than the repairs. So, I mean, that's the thing with the, those timers. But as they go, yeah, I'm going to replace them with the Bluetooth ones. Okay. All right. Well, that's interesting then, knowing that they're Bluetooth. Because, yeah, like, even at Nationals for Carry Optics um, last month, Stage 18 would have never reached as far down as you had to run so that wouldn't work yeah we, we used uh, bluetooth printers last year at area 8 and that was one of the things we had to be careful of is um if they hit print when they were too far out of range of the printer uh it, it wouldn't work we did not use the printers this year but we used them last year okay now what do you shoot in uspsa normally i shoot production uh Today, I shot USPSA yesterday. I shot PCC, and I'm a really bad carbine shooter. Um, but uh, <laughs> I had fun. You're the only person that shoots PCC I've ever heard say that. Yeah. That's funny. No, I, I, I literally 
beat my own times with a. I was shooting a, a Glock a 22 and Steel Challenge today and a PCC, and I was actually beating my carbine times with a pistol. Yeah. So do you live up in Pennsylvania? Yeah, I live right outside Philadelphia. Okay. All right. Now, Area 8 Championship, the last two years, was up at Shadowhawk. But I see it's moving to PA. Was there a particular reason? Or yeah, it's just gonna, to... The original deal at Shadowhawk was for two years. One year renewable to two. Um, I like to move... I mean, my personal beliefs is that after two years, match staff start getting a little burned out and tired. I like moving match around. So that's one, and I talked to Antelani about it before. Uh, when I first took over, there weren't a lot of clubs that wanted to do the Area 8 match. Now there's a bunch. Uh, but Vicky over at Antelani, she wants to do it this year, and we'll see about next year. So it didn't have anything to do with <laughs> round count? <laughs> no. I actually really like the match at Shadowhawk. That, that's kind of more my style, what Keanu was doing. Um, but. And the weird part is, if you draw like a map, a picture of Area Eight, Shadowhawk is within like forty miles of the center of Area Eight, ge ge geographic center, which I always thought was neat. But no, I, it's 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 time to. The other thing is, I was very materially participating in, in the match the last two years. I, I did all the finances and I did all the ordering and, and delivering of stuff. And I run it a year off, to be honest with you. I got some stuff I want to do this year where I don't want to spend the hundreds of hours I spent on the match this year. So Vicky's well, going to have that headache this year. Okay. Yeah. And that was the one benefit I saw to having it there. It seemed like it was more centrally located for everybody, regardless of where you were in area eight. It just seemed like it would be about halfway for everyone. Yeah. It's, it's a three hour drive from Philly. It's two, it's really close to DC, which is one of the reasons why they build it. Um, you know, the thing is, is there's a lot of people in new England that shoot New York and new England that shoot, uh, area eight, and they were kind of mad because that added three, four hours to their drive from Onalani. That's a, but that's uh, okay. That's nah, a New England a good location. Yeah, we tend not to too. worry about you Northerners too much around here. <laughs> but uh, no, it's but uh, it's good. Like I said, it might be at uh, Onalani for two years. I don't know. That's up to Vicky, up to us, what we're going to do. And like I said, there's some other clubs that really want to run it. And I kind of want to get, I'd like to see other clubs get the experience. Um, and the, well, there's a financial gain from running it as well. I, that's kind of a share to wealth thing, but also having well-trained range officers all over the country instead of just one area is, is a good idea. I'm not well-trained as much as experienced getting that kind of level three match experience is good. Well, and uh, I know we've talked about this in past episodes of the, of the, you said 50 clubs that are in the area. How many actually have the capacity to have an area match of that size? Uh, not a whole lot. Um, there's a few out in, P in Pittsburgh that can. East Huntington comes to mind. There's a new club that just affiliated that's interested in running it. Uh, my apologies to Doug Seastock, but I can't remember the club. Uh, you know, York used to run some really big matches in its day. Uh, ran one of the biggest matches in the country. Um, you have Onalani, uh, Shadowhawk, and Fredericksburg down in uh, Virginia. Uh, they're the ones that just come to mind. There's some others. Uh, the other thing, too, is you also have to have a club. Like, I, I can think of two or three clubs that have the facilities, but the, they just don't want to close the range for as long as it takes to run an area match. They don't feel it's right to buy their members. And I can respect that. So that's why that's I didn't name fair. those clubs. Okay, cool. Now, do you see any changes coming to Area 8 in the near future? Uh, how so? Do um, you see any additional clubs coming up in the future? Do you see any growth of shooting in the, in the Area 8? Anything? Well, I hope there's going to be some clubs. I mean, we just had two affiliate. Uh, which was nice. Um, still challenges growing. Uh, a lot of that is uh, people like me and section officers getting out there and helping clubs. Or, or the hardest sell really is you got to you got to sell a club the benefits of running a USPSA or Steel Challenge match, and then you have to find that 
that individual or group of people that are willing to, to run the match. And those people are, 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 are platinum. They're the hardest people to find in the sport to people that will actually commit to you know one one day a week uh, you know one weekend or one day a month for so many months in the year to run a match and finding those people and getting that because they have to go to the club and say i'm willing to run the match or you don't have a match and and that's the tough part and that's what i keep asking i i've been having meetings with section coordinators i just had a meeting with del marvis section in western pa and that was one of the things we talked about how can we motivate people to uh, want to take on a club, want to bring up the idea of running a ma the match to a club. And that's, that's the $64,000 question. Right. Well, are there, I mean, are there even any ranges out there at this point? Cause I, obviously with the political climate, the way that it is makes it difficult going forward to create more ranges where you could actually introduce a new club. But I mean, are there really that many ranges in area eight that don't have shooting clubs that could even be introduced? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, I can't speak for, I can speak for areas. I, I, I know geographically, you know, well, but like there's clubs that once used USPSA that, you know, like for example, Gooseville Ryan gun club, they even hosted the IDPA nationals at one time. They were in a USPSA affiliated club. They just, yeah, I ran that match too. But they don't have somebody who wants to run a match there right now, so they don't. They're just dormant. Uh, there's clubs like that. There, but there are other. Like I've been to ranges where I'm just like, oh my goodness, you know, like especially in Pennsylvania, there are so many gun clubs. There really are, and a lot of them don't do matches, or or they'll do combat matches or tactical. Right. Matches, tactical match, and now they're actually still challenge affiliated clubs. But uh, that's the way they went. Yeah, like the one club where my friend used to run like a tactical match, they're um, they're now doing steel challenge. So a lot of it's just coming over. You don't need that big of a range or a lot of bays. I mean, I, the the club I'm a match director at is only five bays, and uh, I mean we've run, I've run a sectional there once. I mean it can be done if if you're willing to really really think about it. Wow. Yeah, that's got to be some outside-the-box thinking, five yeah, bays per sectional. <laughs> well, they, they were kind enough to lend us the rifle range, which gave us the sixth bay. And we um, we put two two like a little stage in two of the bays. So it was a short it was a short half-day sectional, but it, there wasn't a sectional the year before, so we actually got one pulled off. And, and, and we made a, a life-size bat left that was one of the props, so that was kind of fun. Huh. It, was uh, star, it was a Star Trek I don't know if you know. I was about to say, you may have to explain what that is, the – that's not something Dave's like in his wheelhouse. No. It's, it's a clean like, thing. Don't worry about it. It's, yeah. You're fine. I still, still have it in the garage. Oh, I See, never got rid of it. You would look like Wharf Sash and a bat left? Come on. <laughs> you're, you're just selling me making you a sash. <laughs> Get a wig with some flowing hairs. Whew. So. I've got one more question about area eight stuff. Um, you had mentioned that, you know, area eight includes just a small little section of West Virginia, but looking at the area eight map, it almost makes sense to me that geographically West Virginia should be included in that whole mid Atlantic area eight section. Has there been any discussion about? No, I'm no, I don't think so. Uh, the weird part is, is there's a club right next door to Shadowhawk that's part of Area Five for Steel Challenge, but Shadowhawk uh, made a request to, before I joined the board. Sh the, the lady that owns Shadowhawk, Lynn, she made a request to become part of Area Eight because she felt most of her customers were coming from D.C. and Maryland, so she wanted to be an Area Eight club, especially when it came to stuff like uh, mission count for nationals and things like that. Uh, I do know that Area Five is very vibrant. Um, enlarged area and West Virginia is very active. That little portion of the panhandle is very separate from the rest of West Virginia, but no, there hasn't been any, any discussion about that. And, uh, okay. uh Dick Steele is the area five director. I think he'd probably get a little, little uh, angry at me for even thinking about it. <laughs> I feel like the annexation of Puerto Rico. They're actually an IPSC region still. A lot of people don't know that. Puerto Rico? 
Yes, it is. Yeah, their their yeah. students are also considered international students when they come to college. I found that out that one year I spent in college. Well, that's different. Yeah. Well, how about that? Throwing around some facts on the show. Yeah. Nothing to do with shooting. It's all good. <laughs> You're welcome, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> all right. Um, Ted, I know there's... <laughs> Uh, this year's been a little tumultuous to say the least um, for the organization starting back in the spring. Um, so we'll start there. There were a lot of rule changes earlier in the year um, that seems to have received a lot of negative feedback. Well, there's only three uh, that we did in the, in the February board meeting. Uh, one was loosening of the holster rules. Um, for production in single stack. Uh, the second was allowing the magnets. And the third was the flashlight rule. And that's the All one right. you kind of, in Philadelphia, we have a word called agita, which is like a excited uh, irritation. I would say that that applies to the flashlight rule, which for the record, I voted against. Well, why <laughs> do you think, like that rule particularly I mean, if you just look on Instagram a little bit, it was pandemonium. Like, why was that the thing? Well, the, the premise and in, in the pitch was that there's a lot of shooters who come to matches and they're, they're wearing a gun with a light and they were getting bumped to open just so they could shoot their carry gear. And there were some clubs that were refusing to affiliate because they were more tactically minded and that they wanted to allow flashlights in, in production or whatever. That was the premise uh, that was presented for allowing the lights. Um, like I said, I wasn't for it, but it did pass. Okay. I mean, yeah. There was a lot of negative feedback. I, I don't have one, but I know people were trying it out and have been using it. And I will say, <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, somebody had to use their flashlight at nationals during carry optics. Oh, when the, the one day when it ran late. Yeah, I saw the pictures. On the yeah. Day. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. Um, so do you see any um, rules in the next year, we'll say, that do you think would create as much or introduction that would create as much controversy as, as that one? Um, <laughs> I told, uh, I told someone if they present any rules anytime soon, I was going to, um, you know, do something kind of, uh, dramatic. <laughs> uh, I don't want to see, I'm trying to be reserved on the show here. So, uh, I, I don't want to see, I don't want to see any rule changes anytime soon. Uh, I mean, okay. I again, understand. I only speak for me. I'm one voter out of nine. I don't, I don't right. represent USPSA in any of this, but I don't want to see any rule changes um you know the one rule that i was kind of involved in that was when we raised the weight limit for carry optics guns but i you know i straight up said i wanted to do that when i was running for office it was in uspsa magazine and that's because when i was working chrono this guy was telling me how he thought his shadow two would blow up because he took so much weight off the slide and i was like well that's kind of dumb you know that's the only reason i mean i don't shoot a shadow two but that's why i wanted to change change that particular rule but no i i, I uh like I said, we didn't really change as many rules as people seem to claim on the internet, but uh, I really hope we uh, have like a kind of a period of rest from that. Okay. Now, the the reintroduction of a CEO. Um, do do. And I can only ask you, I mean, obviously we, you can't speak for anybody else, but is that what seems to be the underlying theme that would correct or what they would think would co correct the issue that happened recently? Well, I'm not going to say it's going to correct the issue that happened recently. Um, the thing is, is, is when the, the organization was originally structured, they had an executive director that handled the business end of it and they had a president that handled the sport end of it and that was a deliberate um construct you know construct from the founders including walt roush my mentor because they didn't want 
they wanted a professional business person to mind the store. They did not want um, a an elected person that may or may not have any business savvy to say, oh, I could take out a loan. That was the premise. Um, at some point in time, that's been changed and altered and uh, to what it was with uh, the, the previous president. And while nothing, you know, I, when we really looked at it, like I know when I was in my first board meeting and I realized how the company was structured, I was a little bit taken back because I didn't think that was a good way to run the business. So that, you know, we don't have anything set in sand for how we're going to do it. Um, but the whole plant premise is the, the general thinking is that somebody runs the business and somebody runs the sport, which is how it was in the past. Uh, when, when, the, when the previous president was in charge, he had the keys to everything. He could make loans. He could or, or sign loans and contracts and, you know, sign checks and things like that. And from a corporate governance standpoint, uh, that's something that probably isn't a good plan. I mean, I work in a, for a $2 billion not-for-profit in my day job, and we, we, we have controls that would never let one person do that. And that's all that we were looking at. And it wasn't that we were saying, it was just the fact that, you know, as a board member, we're legally bound with certain duties. And when I looked at that, and when some of us looked at that, we were like, this is not correct corporate governance. So that's what we're looking into. I, I don't know where we're going to end up at, but that's the discussion. Okay. Well, and, and I, I get that because uh, I'm a member of the Scout Sniper Association. And at one time, you know, you just had people being elected into the president, the office of president that would do things. And without knowing certain nonprofit law, you end up doing things that could get you in trouble. So they ended up hiring somebody like behind the scenes, like we'll say a CFO or whatever that knew the laws that could guide the organization that way. But they still had a president that basically ran all of the, events dealt with all the outreach and all of that, but you still had another guy behind the scenes, making sure everything was above board. Everything was operated properly the whole nine yards. Yeah. And, th and that's important because especially when you're not for profit, you, you end up running the risk of um, viol If you break certain laws, you'll end up losing your tax status. So mm -hmm. you want to make sure that you, you want to make sure that you follow the, the guidelines and that's the thing and like sometimes i can look back and i'll, I'll look into some old stuff that we did and, and you know i'll slap my forehead and go well i'm glad we don't do that now and things like that um but just remember and that's the thing like like when people question what we're doing we have a duty of loyalty to the corporation you know we we we, we need to put the organization's interest first uh, as far as that but we, we also have to a duty of obedience we have to comply with our mission we also have to comply with the law uh, we have to make sure that what we're doing is correct and proper. I don't want to be the last Area 8 director because of something I did. I want there to be one after me. And that's really my mission. That's the mission of all of us when it comes to the business side of this. Keeping on the same theme, we had Phil Strader on. And he, when we had that conversation, when he was the president, he mentioned how you know, there were people in USPSA that felt like he wasn't giving enough time to USPSA. And then in his private job, I believe it was Remington at the time. I could be incorrect, but you know, they felt like he was dedicating maybe too much time to USPSA. So with a part-time versus what we just had, which is a full-time paid position. Have you guys discussed how that would work? Because, you know, more than likely someone's going to have an outside employment situation. Yeah. And again, I wasn't here when when uh, pre previous president was made full time. But that was one of his arguments is, hey, uh, the guy before me didn't answer the phone. The guy before me, you know, because he had another job, he couldn't answer the phone on working hours. Da, 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 da. Uh, let me be full time and, and I can take care of business. Uh, and that is uh, not, not a terrible argument. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I don't know where we're going with it. And like I said, we haven't settled it. Having a person that does the business end will certainly reduce the workload and may possibly make it better for a part-time job. But those are things that are not um, decided. 
Okay. You know, if you if you look at the board minutes, um, we're still really in the very uh, softball stages of this, planning it, and we've come to consensus on some things, but not, and then we haven't voted on it yet. And ultimately, what we draft will be posted for the members to read, and then at some point in the future, then we'll actually vote on on to pass it or not. Okay. I just thought of another question while you were talking, so I had to type it in real quick so I wouldn't forget it. Um, now, there, you guys are also in the early stages of discussing some additional requirements, or we'll call we'll say prerequisites to be president. Um, one being an RO, and I think that's the biggest one: having to be an RO to be president. What is the what is the thought behind that? Like, what's the benefit for the individual to be a president to also be an RO? Well, that's an interesting thing because I got a lot. I got a couple emails about it. Um, main thing is is they feel that if somebody hasn't taken the time to learn to be a range officer, to learn the rules, and now they're going to be a board member and they're going to start voting on the rules, they see that as a disconnect. That was one member argument that, that I thought was pretty profound. You know, uh, I'm a CRO, you know, not just as point of fact, but could you imagine somebody that's never really worked a major match or did anything like that? And then they're they're discussing with the NROI about how range officers should work in a major match. I would, I would see that as a disconnect. Uh, so they think that the range officer training would be a bare minimum for them to have some idea of the rules, idea of how match structure works and, and stuff. And the thing is, is whether it's it's really not in my mission or not, but I'm constantly being asked questions by match directors about match organizations. Well, granted, I'm a 22-year match director too, so they might ask me that for that reason. But I'm constantly being asked questions about range officiating and stuff that – you know, it would help to have that more experience. Now, of course, as an area director, I'm not speaking in, in any real official way. That's DNRY to answer that. But, you know, I, I can answer basic questions if people answer me that. Usually, the, anything complicated, I kick over to Troy. What's the availability of Troy to answer club questions around the country during the week? And also, like it, I know for the most part, it seems like he's in the board meetings. He's present. So there's always that resource there, but what's his availability for all the other clubs? Uh, well, there's not only Troy, but there's two assistants, um, Jody and uh, Rick. And they're, I mean, granted, when I send them an email, it says at USPSA.org. So I suspect they probably uh, answer mine a little quicker. But when I was a match director before I got this job, he answered the questions pretty timely. He is a full-time employee. Hell, he does travel on the weekends because uh, Troy still does some RO seminars, and Troy goes out to matches both as a range master or just as a shooter uh, for forms of essentially quality control, and Jody and, and Rick do the same. Although Jody, uh, from what I understand, she's a person who is a driving force behind our blog and the new podcast. Uh, and Rick's doing the podcast, not correction. But, uh, yeah, some people can get a hold of, of him. It may take a day. But you'll get, it. you know, I actually known people who, who had a cell phone number to call them at home on a Saturday during a match. But I don't really I wouldn't do that. <laughs> so you say Jody and Rick, I see Jody up here, but I see Kevin looks like Emil. My apologies, Kevin, not Rick. OK, all right, because I did see a Rick, but I'm like, wait a minute. Rick looks like he's a, an IT guy. So, yeah, OK, Rick, I'm sorry. Rick Brotzel's our, our director of IT. Uh Long day for me. I did. I did get their names no, mixed. Nothing up. against IT guys, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Discriminate. Okay. So, all right. So, there are, are they doing then the bulk of the work with dealing with the clubs around the country? Yeah, tr tr I've never actually had correspondence with Jody and Kevin. Um, I usually just get it right from Troy. But they also go out and do and and from our understanding, they teach seminars. But they also go out to matches. Um, they're part-time employees, but uh, they do a lot of work for okay. Troy. There's all there's so moving on. There's another um, rule or not rule uh, requirement that you guys are tossing around, and that is. Um, having to be a member for a year to vote. 
What, what, if I may ask, spurred that conversation? Me. Uh, oh, I just, okay. I just voted. Um, I just, uh, my friend Frank Tate is running for the NRA board, and I was looking at how NRA does elections. And there, you have to be a life member or a member for, well, I think it was five years. And I thought, boy, I wonder why we don't do that. So I floated it at the board. Because um, the idea is, is is by putting some time in the organization, you show you're a, st a stakeholder before you can just just vote. You got skin the, in the game. Correct. Yeah. Um, the question is, is how long, you know, considering a lot of people after two or three years, they go on to something else. I, you know, five years seemed a little excessive. So we, you know, so a year. Again, these aren't law they're rules. They're just stuff people are floating about. They're in the bylaws as having discussed, so I can mention them. But uh, that's the stuff we're talking about. Interestingly, I was just curious where it came from. So, all right, you you saw something in another organization and thought, "Hey, this is something we should talk about." There was right. I don't know if it was because of the situation with JJ at Low Cap Nationals, um, but did anything actually change with popper calibration with the latest rule change no technically I, I i think they're treating it as a clarification of the policy not technically a rule change um okay but a lot of people felt that when the first person shoots the steel when the shooter shoots the steel and it rocks but doesn't fall that they've knocked it loose so when the range when the range master comes and shoots it it's already been given its first push and it falls over so the premise of that is have the person who's ideally have the person who said it the last time said it the same way and shoot it a second time. And then if for some reason the popper was bad, but the first shot hit it a little and then the second shot drove it down, it won't move. And they've been keeping tabs and that, 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 that the clarification rule change, whatever you want to call it has worked for a few people that, that ended up getting a reshoot because the second time the range master shot the steel, it stayed up. Uh, I think it was like one out of seven times, uh, you have to talk to the one range master I was talking to. I think he said one out of seven uh, calibrations actually was a reshoot because of that. That was a, huh. I think that was an area eight this year. Okay. I don't, I don't know. Oh, he's locked up. We'll wait. Since we're waiting, what's the math on that, Dave? Yeah. One out of seven. Uh, not uh, what? 14%. Okay. So it ends up being, if you route it, it's 15. Yeah, that's the premise. I mean, I actually, uh, me me and a, another range master wrote an alternative proposal that um, died a really fiery death, but, uh, but that's what we came up with. <laughs> I like where this is going. I like a fiery death. That's my favorite scenes in movies. <laughs> Went down so, like a kamikaze. Yeah, it was. Uh, go big it or was, go home. It was vigorously panned. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, yeah. Oh, goodness. That's aggressive. Now, I, this next one, I'm not sure if you're able to discuss or not, because I don't know if there's been anything publicly posted about it. Um, have you guys decided on a timeline for a special election, or is there just consideration of, Sherwin maintaining it until the regular election time frame. No, there will be a special election. I'm not sure what the timing is. A lot of that's contingent on, okay. on finishing the bylaws. And it's uh, Sherwin has said as much publicly that we're going to, we're going to, once the bylaws train now, we'll start to the clock on the, um, but he didn't think it was, and, and Sherwin didn't think it was right to change the job description for the president after the president got the job. So he thought, well, yeah. what an what an ideal time while he's in office. He's not a candidate for president. So he's and you know steer the ship through this part and then bring in the new administration. That's the premise. Okay. And right now, there's no timeline on the bylaw changes either because you guys are still in the early discussion phase. I think it's going to happen. I mean, the thing is, is is. Uh, I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to start falling, falling together. I really do. Uh, I'm trying. I'm really trying to watch my words right now. Yeah, but that's, I, I, I think, get it. 
I think it's going to fall together uh, faster than you think. I really do. Okay. I mean, you would know. I wouldn't. So <laughs> at least you have a a finger on the 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 pulse. So we're talking about the uh, tactical matches that other clubs are doing and whatnot. Do you think that that has had a significant uh, impact on siphoning away uh, either ranges or potential membership to the USPSA? I can only give you a gut answer to that, but no. I think okay. people that really and re really enjoy competition, they like our classification system and the fact that they can sh have the same rules when they go everywhere. Uh, and earlier on, I used to shoot a lot of like Outlaw Three Gun, and that was right. literally you'd have to spread all your gear out on the on the on the deck and figure out what you had to take off at every match you went to. And I, I, some people like that, but most people don't. <laughs> Slightly inconvenient to have to figure it out from match to match. Yeah, I've noticed that there's been a a change in the depth of the BOD minutes. And there's been discussion of trying to come up with a transcript. Has there been any further move in that way? The, the, the more, I guess what I'm trying to say is the latest version of the minutes are looking good. You know what I mean? They're looking better. Like there was one I was looking at, I forget when, um, that was very, thin very lean that's a question or that's the what i want to say so is this something that's supported by everybody trying to get well i don't think you'd see a transcript released uh i had suggested a couple guys had suggested it as an organizational tool because if you're trying to take notes and have a discussion it's very hard so yeah. um mike voigt when he was president he had a transcriptionist uh, there who would give him a transcript and then he would base the minutes on that and a couple of us discussed doing that just because we thought it would be easier because sometimes like what had happened in one day is two days later we were arguing on what somebody said like i don't think that's what he said no that's what he said you know what i mean and a transcription will stop that but uh i don't think see the problem is as i see it and again i'm speaking as one person not the organization I wouldn't want to see a, a letter for letter, word for word. I mean, I, I work for a really large not-for-profit. Oh, our board meeting, right. our board minutes are not much different than what you see here. But a transcript, what some people would like is they could they could pick words. And what I'm seeing now um, is you can take like people people are taking social media posts or whatnot, and they're they're kind of almost splicing them together to make them say what they want. So I'd be a little scared about that. Yeah, and I'm not saying release a transcript per se, but um, you know, I have looked at some minutes that were very, I'm, I know I'm not going to be able to pull one up, but I got them right here, but there are, there were a few, but I mean, they're looking, they're looking better. And, and there is software out there like Descript, which, you know, will will do all of that. And then like you're saying, you take the transcript you can digitally file it away so you have a copy for the board, but then you can then um, take the framework of it and use that for your minutes. Yeah, we've looked into that. Um, like one, The software we're currently using does a recording feature, but it actually has some issues with it, which is why we're not using it. Um, the one nice thing about a transcript is uh, you can – it's a little bit, I'm not trying to think of the right words for it. I, I liked the idea of a transcript better because if somebody wanted to say, you know, wanted to start talking about fishing or something, we can just not make the, the transcript. So I, I liked that better, but uh, okay. yeah, September 8th. Yeah. Uh, and this, this, this was an, ex this was the one I was thinking about, you know, it says discussion of discussion to be continued. Um, well, yeah, well, the problem about that, too, is, is there's a lot of stuff we'll talk about. And, and sometimes, like, if it's not voted on or if it's not, like, if a motion wasn't made, it, 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 I'm not sure, like, when people are just flying ideas out there, like, we think the president should wear a helmet. Well, the other guy says it should be blue. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the stuff that, I, 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 you know, it would be difficult for candor in a meeting if, if every word was on it. I mean, that's my opinion. Oh yeah, but, and, and, well, uh, and I I tend to agree with that. Yeah, I mean that that particular meeting what was that the eighth. Um, that yeah, was, this uh, was recent. Yeah, this is November sixteenth. 
here and this was oh yeah you're talking about september 8th uh yeah september 8th yeah that one was september 8th um yeah that was that one, was uh, yeah but um yeah just some of them uh you know I, I don't know it's a tough one because especially when you're talking about theoretical stuff i mean when people are, are saying what they're what they think or what could be possible that'd be a hard thing to put in the thing because then people go crazy you know or i could i guess i don't know you know, what do you mean the president right. has to wear a helmet <laughs> but again and, and two if it's not something you know because i mean like i i proposed one or two things that we discussed for a while and then i, I got talked out of it. i was like oh wow you're right that is a dumb idea so you know why would we want to put you know what i mean because it's, it's something that went went down an alley and died so you know i'm not sure that needed you know because you know but uh Mostly, it's you know the, the minutes or discussion of the actual business we're going to do. I mean, yeah. I mean, I know people really would like to see. You know, some people want to know everything that's said, but you know. Now, of course, uh, by bylaws, that they can come to our in-person meeting if they if they file through and and, and submit their requests and stuff. But uh, I don't think they're going to find them as half as exciting as they think they're. I know I don't. <laughs> now, what is what is? Let's say. I don't, but let's just say I wanted to be a part of one of these meetings. What's the, how exactly well, right, do you go about? Well, right now, um, by bylaws, you can attend an in-person meeting, although, and I don't know what the restrictions are. Uh, the online uh, In-person, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. See, the thing is, is prior to Sherwin taking over, we never did meetings like this. Uh, uh, Sherwin's predecessor, he didn't want to do online meetings. So we did them through like a phone bank. And uh, we're still getting the technology together where we want. And and if you haven't noticed, there's been a lot of a growth in the transparency of what we're doing. And and we want to continue that. But it is a process. Oh, absolutely. I get that. Um, I had talked to Mike had been on the show, uh, the podcast back in the spring and um, and interviewed him. And one of the things I talked about was, you know, streaming meetings, nationals, all that other stuff. It's become so prevalent. Uh, I mean, even somebody like me who's never done IT stuff can do this stuff. So it's not overly difficult, but um, what are the odds of like the normal monthly meeting being held live online for people to watch? Well, I, I don't know. I really don't. Here's a weird thing. And, and, I didn't really see it this way because I actually um, a while back I made some proposals about our minutes and and how I thought they should be done and the reality is is we're also still a business and like think about it like if I posted my budget for what I thought nationals would be every hotel in the area would know what we're willing to spend on hotels um, so some of that stuff I'm not sure they'd want to put out there but that's really Sherwin's idea now starting tomorrow night we're going to start doing a podcast after our board meetings where we're going to discuss what we talked about uh hmm. our first our first one will be this week and i see how that works out i, I don't know how that will but um, well, i'm participating so we'll see so okay all right that's all you open a whole whole other can to <laughs> i can and, tell you right and, now who's <laughs> definitely going to be listening It'll yeah Dave. for sure um so are you guys is there who all is going to partake or who all is um invited to be on the podcast we'll say tomorrow i believe how it's going to go is it's going to always be sherwin always be the president and probably a host like jake martins and um the, pre the, the president and Jake are going to be hosting it, and they're going to get two or three different board members each okay. podcast. I don't know how many board members are volunteering for it. I did. Okay. Now, oh, are, this is good is, training for that then. Yes. <laughs> uh, you're welcome. <laughs> now, are is there going to be a way where are you guys going to be able to answer questions from anybody, or is this just the five of you? the two hosts and then the three guests discussing things or how, what's the uh, framework of this podcast? 
my understanding is we're going to be talking about whatever uh, we've been doing in the board meeting. Uh, Jake is really going to be handling that, so I don't know. And the weird thing okay. about questions is, like, I, I get questions. I get questions from members. I mean, we are accessible at Area Eight, you know, at USPSA.org. Right. I mean, we, we we're 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 discoverable when you log in your USPSA webpage. You get my uh, you get your area director's contact info. Uh, so you know you can always write us questions that way. I mean, sometimes I, I sometimes like I had someone send me today like uh, a long list of really leading questions, and I'll answer them. It'll just take me a couple of days. But uh, we're here. Um, we do do the members. They are recorded. But anyway, we took a bunch of questions that. Uh, you took some questions. I know that. The, the members had sent us in the beginning. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we didn't answer them all, which some people were upset about. With time, we just couldn't. And then uh, we fielded questions from the members themselves. Uh, whether or not they want to do some kind of. I'm actually doing that stuff within my area where I, right now I'm just talking to match directors and section coordinators via. Um, um, Webex. And at some point, I may do a, a members meeting. Um, once I figure out, my Webex seems to work better on my iPad than, than this stuff. But uh, at some point, I'll, I'll get that working, and and I'll do that. It's just one step at a time. I've done two sections so far. I'm gonna, I got one more USPSA section, and then I got to do the uh, Steel Challenge Clubs before I start thinking about the members. Well, and I and I guess what I was thinking too is. You know, you guys, like you're saying, you get questions from your constituents within your area. It almost seems like, you know, that might be an opportunity to also answer those questions where you probably reach a larger audience um, for everybody. Because, you know, they may ask you a question about something in Area 8, but it also pertains to the other areas. That's why I say, you know, is that something that would be answered there where maybe you're bringing a question that someone asked you via email or in person or whatever, and you feel that it's viable to talk about an answer on the podcast. It's a good idea. I mean, that's, I, I hate to cop out and say that's a Jake question, mm -hmm. but maybe Jake will want to do that. I mean, I certainly would be cool with answering member questions again. I, I enjoy doing it at the member meeting. Uh, I think it, the, I think that kind of interaction with the members is, is refreshing and and, it's, and since we've been doing it i know sherwin wants us to do these member meetings at every nationals now so it's not a once a year thing like we did in the past you know he expects he expects as many of us as possible to be at these meetings from now on okay and i and Let's i hope see. whoever that i'm sorry go ahead no, and go i ahead. hope whoever the next president is continues that trend now what's the name of the podcast do you know no, I don't. Um, I'm not sure how he's doing it. Uh, he just sent me an invite to to, to uh, start it, and uh, I probably should pay more attention to the details. But J Jake's kind of handling that. I was just uh, going to contribute as much as I can. Okay, so is it is it just like this? Then they're going to record it and then publish it at a later time. I believe so. Okay. And this is another thing too, because we're it's a it's a first thing we're trying. So it, how it starts may not be how it ends. Once we figure oh, out yeah. what works. <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling well. <laughs> All right, so we'll have to. Um, I guess we'll have to keep an ear to the ground. Did you have any? So I guess Jake's really the only one at this time who would know how we would even find it or. Well, don't forget all members get the downrange email um, sent to them and that's how they'll so communicate this. Yeah. Through your downrange okay. email. Uh, and that's one, that's actually Jake's big project. Uh, you know, he's, he's responsible for that. And I don't believe the timing of this is going to be long. I think you're going to be seeing this in a, in a, in a few days. I, I, if I understand it correctly, it's supposed to be a timely uh, publication right after the board meetings. Okay. Well, hopefully you don't have a super long board meeting and then another hour long podcast after that. Uh, the last one was too long. I mean, I go to bed at eight thirty most days, so yeah, it was. A, the board meetings get kind of late. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen the. I've seen some of those times where you guys have ended business. Uh, well, Ted, that's what I've got. Is there anything um, 
else you'd like to expand on or touch on anything? Uh, I, I said this at the end of my WebEx meeting um, that I did with the Western PA section. I just got a new boss at work. And, and when you call him or go in his office, he always says, how can I help you be successful today? And I used to think it was funny, but the more I heard it, the more I realized it was a good thing to say to people. And, and remember, as an area director, I'm here to help clubs and people be successful in the sport. So if there's anything I can try to help you with or answer for you, I am here to help you be successful. So, you know, you guys can go into USPSA.org and you can find my contact info and drop me a line. Well, Ted, we appreciate you coming. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Ted. Thank you.